Welcome to the Mavericks and Misfits podcast, where not quite fitting into the religious status quo is a good thing. Slick church trends deceive us. Denominational traditions can blind us. But truth from the heart of God always transforms us. And now, here's our host, a self-proclaimed ministry maverick and church misfit, Jeff Lyle. Hey everybody, welcome back to Mavericks and Misfits. It's Jeff, grateful that you have tuned in today. Grateful to be able to share some thoughts with you. What a chaotic time is happening all around you, hopefully outside of you and not getting inside of you, but there's no doubt about it that we're living in a season, maybe a maybe an open-ended season, where the nasty is really, really heightened. And it's becoming all the more crucial for followers of Jesus uh, to press into him, to ensure that we're hearing his voice above all the other myriad of voices, to ensure that we are clearly um, understanding what it is that he's calling us to do, who he has identified us to be, and that we are getting our cues from heaven and not from the um, insanity that is happening all around us. Um, I think we're ripe for a revival. I think that when darkness drops and it covers the earth, that the Lord is not content to let that go unopposed and that his in, um, His commitment, his intention is that, uh, that the light of the gospel and the light of his glory would be um, the foremost thing. Of course, that's the way it's going to be at the end of the age. So it just stands to reason that that's what he's doing right now. He's not just shrugging his shoulders saying, wow, I wish this bad stuff wasn't happening and this darkness wasn't um, you know, pervading. Um, he is absolutely uh, working uh, and he's going to be primarily working through his people. And among his people, there will be a remnant that will seek to cooperate with him on an intense level. They will welcome God Almighty to do what God Almighty wants to do. They will say no to the world. They will say no to their flesh. Uh, they will obviously uh, say a militant no to the enemy, and they will press in to know the Lord. And um, one of the key factors of all of that in our lives as Jesus followers is the uh, the avenue of prayer. Um, there's not a single Christian I've ever met that would tell you prayer is not a good thing. I think it's just a given in the kingdom that the children of God communicate with Abba Father. Um, nobody's going to vote against prayer. But the reality is, and this is both um, from 20 plus, 25 plus years in ministry, and also um, just from interacting with Christians on a personal level, the sad reality is most Christians don't have a committed approach to praying. Um, we are sloppy prayers across the church in the West. And what's coming against the church in the West and the church globally is not going to allow for lifestyles of sloppy prayer. And so I come before I took my assignment uh, back in February of uh, 2021 this year, um, I took my assignment at the church at Winder. Um, I had been a part of a church that was um, formated, formatted, formalized, um, established is the word I'm looking for, um, as a, in a context of night and day prayer, uh, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, prayer room, open, um, unbroken worship under the Lord and an atmosphere of prayer and a culture of prayer and fasting. And that helped me um, in my own walk with Jesus, just as a Jesus follower, to really understand that the quality of my Christian life will not rise above my prayer life, that God intentionally allows us to get in seasons 
where our giftedness will not suffice, our horizontal insulation, money, success, friendships, relationships, stability, that will not suffice. And that ultimately, God puts those whom he wants to use in great ways. He puts us in a context where we're forced to depend on him at ever-increasing levels. And so the expression of that dependence upon God is prayer. And everybody knows that prayer is good, but not everybody that (laughs) says amen to it being good is actually doing it. And I have found that even among those in a culture of prayer, like where I came from and the prayer, global prayer movement that is... um, I believe, growing all across the planet. Um, There's a lot of people that are given to the activity of prayer, but their prayers aren't getting answered. And I want to address in today's podcast, um, one of the reasons that our prayer lives are ineffective, Um, the, the activity of speaking to God, which is the foundational basis of what we understand as prayer, that activity is not meant to just be mere religious activity. There's actually supposed to be breakthrough attached to our prayer lives. There's actually supposed to be fruit. Um, we offer our prayers with the expectation that they will be answered and affirmed by the Lord. And without going on to the, the side trail here of talking about the listening aspect of prayer, which is huge, but that can be a subject for a different podcast. I'm talking about the petition aspect of prayer, where we let our requests be made known unto God. When we are seeking God's intervention, we are seeking God's activity. We are asking for God's aid, help, assistance. Um, That is to be a normal part of the Christian life. It's revealed in scripture. It's revealed in church history. And it should be revealed in my life and yours. But here's the question I want to I want to address today: Why why don't some people's prayers get answered? Why don't my prayers sometimes don't? Why do they sometimes not get answered? What about your prayer life? And there are there are some mysteries connected to prayer. We can pray the right thing with the right motivation, and we can pray enduringly, lastingly, and it's still not. Uh, be answered in the way that is affirming all that we're seeking. God reserves the right to be God. <laughs> he does not have to check with us to make sure what he's doing is right. And so there is a mystery to prayer that sometimes we don't get what we ask for. And I'm firmly convinced that when that occurs, when our motivations are right, when we're walking in holiness, when we're asking uh, for the glory of God and we're asking good things, sometimes God doesn't answer them because good things aren't good enough for him. He wants to give us the best things. And so it's in those denials and those delays that he elevates our understanding of who he is and what he's doing. And he calls on us through the avenue of denying sometimes our, our requests. He, he, he is saying, in essence, no, I'm not going to give you that good thing because I have a better thing to give you and I want you to continue to seek me so that I can give you that better thing as the answer to your current need. And so what, what about this, this other element of unanswered prayer? Why sometimes does God not answer our prayers? Let me start out with just some bold Bible statements about prayer. By the way, I'm enjoying a cup of coffee as usual, so pardon me while I enjoy a cup of coffee for a second. What about these bold Bible statements about prayer? 
So let me just set the foundation, especially if maybe you struggle with the concept of prayer. Let me tell you some things that Jesus said and a couple of his, his followers wrote uh, in our Bibles. Jesus made this bold statement in John 14. He said in verses 13 and 14, he says, whatever you ask in my name, this will I do so that the father may be glorified in the son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. Now, guys, if that's all that the Bible ever said about prayer, then basically what we have is a blank check. We ask God anything in the name of Jesus and it is done. It would feel much more like an abracadabra. It would almost feel like us placing demands on God. It would almost make God our servant because this statement, if it was the only thing that scripture said uh, about prayer, is pretty bold. Jesus said, whatever you ask in my name, this will I do so that the father may be glorified in the son. And then he, he highlights it again in the next statement in verse 14. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. So if that was all that we had, we would be losing our minds because we know our prayer lives don't quite work that way. We could say, Jesus, give me a gated community house with a pool and a Cadillac, and I'm asking in your name. And if that's all that the Bible said, all that statement from Jesus, we would expect to receive that. We would say, Lord, I I could say, Lord, make me tall. Lord, make me tall with a full head of hair in the name of Jesus. And because if that was the only verse in the Bible on prayer, I would expect to not be 5'8 with a bald spot. (laughs) Um, This is not the only statement in the Bible about prayer. So we've got to go a little further, but I do want to build your confidence towards prayer because Jesus meant something when he said that, right? Well, let's go a little further. Um, The apostle John wrote in first John five in verses 14 and 15, first John five, 14 and 15. He said, this is the confidence that we have toward him that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request that we have asked of him. So here you have a little bit more of a clarification. It's not just asking stuff and saying in the name of Jesus. Here we have the element of we have to ask according to his will. And if we ask according to his will, we know that he's hearing us. And we also know that whatever we're praying in his will, we will have the request that we have asked of him. So the prayers that we offer to God have to be consistent with the nature of God. We don't ever pray for things that are inconsistent with who he is. And we also, through prayer, have to know that we're praying in the will of God. That's where a lot of people get hung up. They don't want to pray because they don't want to pray anything outside of the will of God. This is what I tell people all the time. No, if you don't know if it's the will of God or not, pray it. And as you continue to pray it, God will shape your will to his. And so it's not a matter of trying to convince God to do something outside of his will because you just keep asking him. It's through the asking that you actually begin to discern the will of God. And so when I don't know if something I'm asking for is the will of God, if I can't find it consistently in scripture, if it's in that that area where the Bible doesn't speak for it or against it, but it's something that's on my heart, I'm invited to pray to God about those things. And through that praying, I begin to understand the will of God as I pray. Sometimes it's a day, sometimes it's weeks, it could be months. Um, there have been a couple of things that I prayed for for years and and did not get the answer that I expected and wondered, okay, all through those years, am I praying the will of God or not? And it, quite frankly, I still have a couple of things that I've been praying about for years that God has not clarified whether this is his will or not. So what do I do? I keep obeying the scriptures. I keep praying. 
and keep asking God. And I gain clarity on the issue and I gain clarity on his heart. James, the apostle James gives us some great insight into praying. Um, listen to this bold prayer. Again, these are bold Bible statements about prayer. Whatever you ask in my name, Jesus said, I'll do it. If you ask anything in my name, I'll do it. John said, if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us and we have the request that we've asked of him. Then James, in the context of suffering and, and sickness, he says this in James 5, is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick and the Lord will raise him up. And then he goes on to say, pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Man, that's bold. So if you're sick, what do you do? You pray, pray that you might be healed. If you stay sick after praying, you call for the elders. They anoint you with oil so that you can be healed. And the, it says literally in the Greek that the prayer of the faith will save the one who is sick. And so you enter into a greater level of faith through prayer, and that faith connects with the will of God. And the indication in James 5 is that there is healing for sickness through the prayer of faith. And then it says again, y'all pray for one another. It's not just the elders praying over an individual. Pray for one another that you may be healed. And then that bold statement, the prayer of a righteous person has great power as it's working. So you have another indication there that as you pray and you're living in righteousness, which is going to be the segue to the rest of this podcast episode, you have to be praying in righteousness. And when you're living a righteous life, not just simply righteous because you're saved, not just positionally righteous, but practically righteous, devotionally righteous. You're living out day to day in obedience and righteousness to the Lord. You should have great confidence that the Lord is hearing your prayers. And when it comes to this issue of illness or sickness, have great confidence that your prayers are mighty, that they have pull that God does things through our prayers. It may not be the first time we pray it. He may want us to press in. But the, the clear command is, hey, listen, your prayers, if you're living in righteousness, have great effective power. Uh, let me give you from Matthew 18. Matthew 18, verse 18. Jesus, again, speaking, says, Truly I say to you, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. And then verse 19. Again, I say to you, if two of you agree on earth about anything they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. Hello. For where two or three gather in my name, there am I among them. Okay, so we've got this issue of binding and loosing, which actually would be a great topic for a future podcast. I need to write that down. But for the sake of it today, just it, it's the picture that Jesus is saying is if two followers of his, who, according to the will of God, praying in the will of God, who are walking in righteousness, will come into agreement about something that they're asking together. Jesus said it's going to be done by his Father in heaven. That's what Jesus said. So the reason why I'm giving you these bold statements from John 14 and 1 John 5 and James 5 and Matthew 18 is because I want you to be motivated in your prayer life. Some of you just aren't praying. Some of you are thinking, some of you are talking to all your friends, you're talking to spiritual leaders, you're reading books, you're listening to the podcasts. But you're not, you're not actually praying. You don't actually have a time every day um, where you're getting into the presence of God, you're shutting out everything else, and you're having a conversation with God. And that is, it begins as a discipline in most people's Christian lives. You just have the discipline of prayer. When I was first saved in 1994, somebody gave me a little packet 
It's called One Hour with God. And it literally taught me as a former pagan and complete loser uh, what it meant to pray and what it meant to pray for an hour. And that thing was, it started out as discipline. It wasn't exactly like thrilling, to be honest with you. But that discipline, as I began to do it, turned into delight and where I didn't need that little book anymore and I didn't need the format anymore and I didn't need all that stuff. That stuff was good to get me started and get me educated in what it meant to pray. But eventually the discipline became delight. And now it's my delight to pray. You know, I'm recording this very early in the morning and I woke up at four o'clock this morning. It doesn't make me spiritual. It just makes me a guy who couldn't sleep best for today. And I got up and I had this stirring in my heart. So as I drove from my home, uh, the 30 minutes to my church office where I'm recording this, I, um, I just really, really enjoyed my time praying as I drove along the dark roads and there was no traffic. And I'm just talking to the one who made me, talking to my father in heaven, talking to him about some burdens that I've got, talking to him about some breakthroughs that are coming. And I spent a little bit of time coming into agreement with what he says about the enemy because the enemy has been hot on my tail. And so it's, it's in that communication that it is my delight now. It wasn't a discipline this morning. Sometimes I pray out of discipline because I know that I should and I don't feel like it inwardly. But these bold promises about prayer usually compel me to just, it's either I believe God or I don't. Either Jesus was telling the truth or he wasn't. Either James was writing under the Holy Spirit's inspiration or he wasn't. Either John was communicating the very word of God or he wasn't. And so I believe that all of that is yes. <laughs> Jesus was telling the truth and the writers were writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. So these bold statements about prayer are real for my life and they're real for yours. So you should pray. <laughs> You're like, yeah, I know that. Well, are you doing it? And are you doing it daily or are you doing it regularly? Not as a legalistic duty. By the way, if you're in a culture, if you're in ministry, um, ministry praying doesn't is not is not necessarily your covering for your devotional praying. You're praying as a child of God. Again, I mentioned earlier, I come from a place of 24 worship and prayer, 24 seven worship and prayer. And it's real easy just to assume because you're part of a culture of prayer that you're you're successful and you are faithful in praying. Not necessarily. Um, being in the prayer room did not constitute praying for me. Praying constituted praying for me. And so listening to the Lord's voice and talking to God. So for the remainder of my time, let me give you some, some biblical statements about why sometimes prayers of Christians just don't get answered. This is, this is tough, but listen, I'm trying to help some of you. I really want you to be helped in this. And I have to tell us what, man, I think people have forgotten that sometimes your prayers don't get answered because you're not walking rightly with the Lord. I know that's heavy and that's harsh, but it's worthy of our consideration. No condemnation, but heavy consideration right here. And so here's some qualifying statements. You know, I gave you some bold statements about prayer, but let me give you some qualifying statements. This is sometimes in my life and your life, why our prayers haven't gotten answered. Uh, look, quick sip of coffee. Hold on. Psalm 66. I remember reading this verse very early in my Christian life within months of being saved. And it, it gripped me about how important it was that I walk in holiness because it says this, if I had cherished iniquity in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. Psalm 66, 18. If I had cherished iniquity in my heart, the Lord would not have listened, but God truly has listened. He has attended to the voice of my prayer. Blessed be God because he has not rejected my prayer or removed his steadfast love from me. 
So you got some principles there. Um, one of the things that, that wrecks your prayer life is secret sin while you're presuming to be able to receive answered prayer and blessing from God. I mean, the psalmist is very clear. Cherishing iniquity in your heart means you've made a place for sin to remain in your life. That's what it means. It means you cherish that sin. You cherish that inconsistency. You cherish that thing that is out of alignment with God's will. And you've made room for it. You've accommodated it. And this is, the scripture says, if, if that's going on, the Lord's not listening to your prayers. That's tough, man. Because nobody's walking on water. I mean, we all are in a state of being sanctified. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about if you transgressed. I'm talking about if you have made a decision to allow sin in your life. And no matter what God has said, no matter what counsel you've gotten, no matter what the scripture says, you're just like, no, this is just going to be a part of my life. This is my pet sin. And God says, in essence, right here through Psalm 66, yeah, I'm actually going to reject your prayers. I'm not going to listen to you. Now, if you've raised kids, and a lot of you are young, you don't have your families yet, but if you've raised kids, there's a parallel to this in the parenting world. So my kids are, Alicia's an adult and Landon's an emancipated minor. I mean, that dude is like doing his thing. Um, But when they were little, we would have instructions for them that they needed to honor their parents on. So a scenario like this could be, um, hey, Alicia, uh, before you go out today, I want you to clean your room. Maybe Alicia is seven years old and she says, okay, daddy. And um, then an hour later she comes to me and she says, daddy, I want to go out and play with so-and-so. And I peek down the hallway and her room's a wreck. And I say, yeah, yeah, you need to clean your room. I want you to do what I asked you to do. And, and then I'll grant your request. She comes back 30 minutes later. Daddy, I want to go out and play with so-and-so. Can I go outside now? And I look and I was like, you still haven't cleaned your room. She said, I know I want to go out and play. Can I go out and play? And I would have to say to her, When you do the first thing I told you to do, I will allow you to do the thing you're asking to do. And so the parallel then is in the spirit realm, in the Christian life, is that when we are asking God to bless us, to help us, to assist us, to give us wisdom, to advance us, to elevate us, to empower us, to uh, intervene on our behalf, God sometimes will say, yeah, I'm not actually listening to that prayer. I'm not actually listening to that. And you might feel in your heart, well, why not? Because you haven't done the thing I've asked you to do. That may seem harsh to some people, but I think it's very consistent with the nature of a holy God. God can't endorse our hypocrisy because that would make him a hypocrite. So if we're saying, Lord, I want you to do this for me, God in essence can say, I don't even hear you because you're not listening to the thing I said last time. That's what I would have said to Alicia in that scenario I painted. I would be like, girl, I don't even hear you asking to go outside until you do the thing that I know you heard me tell you to do. So that's what the psalmist is revealing here. Isaiah 59. Here's another similar verse. Isaiah 59. Your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God, and your sins have hidden his face, his face from you so that he does not hear. That's a pretty intense Isaiah's prophecy in chapter 59, verse 2, says that when we have unrepentant sin in our life, it, it, it facilitates this reality where our face can't see the face of God. We can't have that intimate connection. And the result is, is verbalized as he doesn't hear. Now, God's omniscient. It's not that God's unaware. It's that God chooses not to acknowledge what we're asking because We've treasured our sin more than him. 
we're asking his hand to move, but we're not honoring his face. And so Isaiah 59, again, lets us know that sometimes our prayers don't get answered because God doesn't acknowledge them because he's, he's dealing with us about the sin we're, not, we're ignoring. Proverbs 28, 9. This is tough, man. If one turns away his ear from hearing the law, even his prayer is an abomination. What? Man, that is heavy duty. What, what is the context here? Proverbs 28, 9. If you turn away your ear from hearing the law, now to the psalmist or to Solomon, the proverb, writer of Proverbs here, the law would have been the equivalent of the word of God, the written word. So the application is, is if a believer intentionally turns away from hearing the word of God and then presumes to pray to the God whose word he has spurned, that prayer is a a detestable thing. It's an abomination. Man, God's not playing around. So when we know to do something, when we understand a biblical, a written word um, mandate in our life, could be a, a prohibition. Listen, the New Testament prohibits some things. But if we're saying yes to the things to which God says no, and then we're presuming to get our prayers answered, God's word says through Proverbs 28, 9, yeah, that prayer is detestable. It's an abomination. Um, James chapter 4, back to the book of James. He James Earlier, we're talking about James made the bold declaration about the prayer of the faith, saving and healing the sick. That's great. But James also said this, you do not have because you do not ask. Just let that stand alone. James 4, 2. You do not have because you do not ask. Some people's prayers don't get answered because they don't pray. <laughs> Wishing or thinking is not the same thing as humbling yourself and praying. So you do not have because you do not ask. But verse 3 says this. You ask, but you do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. And this gets to the issue of our motivation. Why are we asking for that for which we are asking? Why are we asking for it? What is our motivation? Sometimes God does not give us things because we will take what he gives us and we will consume it. We will, we will, we're asking for the wrong motivation, self-centered or sinful motivations. And so God is not only interested in us saying words of prayer and then saying in Jesus name. God is interested that the motivation of our heart is consistent with our character as followers of Jesus. And so James is very clear. Hey, some of you are praying like crazy, but you're not receiving it because your motivations are wrong. I speak to my single friends who I hope you're praying for your mate. I hope you're praying for that one that you're going to spend your life with. But are you praying according to the wisdom of God? Or are you just praying you need somebody and you need somebody now because you're sick of being alone? Well, that's, that doesn't honor the person that God might give you. And so you don't want to consume the object of your prayer on your passions. You don't want to ask for, why do you want the raise at work? Why do you want the nice car? Why do you want to be pretty? Why do you want to be successful? Why do you want a larger friend group? Why do you want a ministry? Why do you want a platform? Why is important? Because God says, it's not just what you're asking. I want to make sure that why you're asking it is consistent with who I am because I can only bless that which is consistent uh, with who I am. There are some others. I, I'm looking at the clock and the timer here, um, and I'm running out of time. But for a handful of you that are married, husbands, listen to this. First Peter 3, 7. Woo. 
Here's why sometimes I'm a husband. So, and I can tell you, this has happened in my life before. I've been married almost 25 years and this has happened. First Peter three, seven husbands live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to her as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you in the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. Ooh, there's some of you that are married that need to hear this. It's two husbands, but I can apply it to wives too. Negligence in the marriage relationship results in unanswered prayer. Can't get around it. That's what Peter said. Peter said that the way that we treat, particularly the way husbands treat wives, has an impact on how God answers their prayer. It literally says your prayers will be hindered if you are not treating your spouse the way that God wants you to treat your spouse. That is intense, man. Isn't that amazing? God says, you can't be fully right with me if you're not right with your wife. (laughs) You can't be right with me in your heavenly relationship if you are ignoring, neglecting, or not operating in propriety in your marital relationship. And you can pray all day, Jeff, but if you ain't right with Amy, I ain't listening to your prayer. That's how I hear the Lord sometimes. It's not that he's being mean. He's just saying, no, 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 no. Um, I ordained your marriage and your marriage was made in my name and you committed to love her, Jeff, as Christ loves the church. So don't come to me with your pious prayers when you're not doing the thing that I told you to do with your wife. Get it right with her and your prayers won't be hindered. Ladies, you're not off the hook. Same thing with your spouse, if your husband. If you don't honor your husband, the Bible tells you to honor your husband, to respect your husband. Um, a lot of people don't like it, but it says that in a godly context of marriage where the husband is leading in a godly way, the wife is to follow her husband, even obey her husband. That's very unpopular today, but I'm um, sorry, it's the Bible. And if we choose to operate outside of God's stipulations for our marital relationships, then our prayers are going to be hindered. And so um, let me give you this and, and just give me a few extra minutes. Sorry, I didn't mean to go this long, but just bear with me because this last part is really important. First Peter 3, 8 through 12. It's following the verse about husbands honoring their wives as the weaker vessel so that their prayers are not hindered. And then he says, finally, all of you. So this is everybody. Single, young, old, married, husbands, wives, doesn't matter. All of you, Peter says, have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind. Do not pay evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless. For this, to this you were called so that you can obtain a blessing. So be a blessing if you want a blessing is what Peter's saying. Don't be vengeful. Have a tender heart, have a humble mind, operate in brotherly love, be sympathetic towards others, pursue unity. All of those are connected to you obtaining the blessing that you're asking for. He goes on to say this, if you desire, whoever desires to love life and see good days, let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Turn away from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. Now watch this, verse 12, 1 Peter 3. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Um, There we have it. What comes out of our mouth affects the response of heaven to our prayers. That's what it says. Keep your tongue from evil. Keep your lips from speaking deceit. Seek peace and pursue it. So what does that mean? Very briefly, as I wrap up, it means this. If you're gossiping, if you're slandering, 
if you're murmuring, if you're complaining, if you're causing division with your communication, if you're not operating with a humble mind and a tender heart, if you're not promoting unity, if you are not speaking blessing, it says you are called to do that. You are called to bless so that you can obtain a blessing. And it says you have to keep your own tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. Why? Because the Lord's eyes are on the righteous. All of those things I just described are unrighteous behaviors. And because the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, his ears are open to their prayer. So there you have it. God does not listen and acknowledge to our prayers sometimes because he hears the junk that's coming out of our mouth when we're not praying. And the Lord is, I mean, he is like really intense about this. So today, I'm just telling you, don't wreck your prayer life. Don't don't give all these, you know, bold declarations about I'm going to bind, I'm going to loose, I'm going to come into agreement in the name of Jesus. I'm saying this, I'm declaring, I'm decreeing. And then when you leave your prayer closet, you're, you're just funky with your relationships with other people. You're not guarding your mouth. You're speaking word curses. You are dividing people with your words. You're communicating in a way that is hostile and not unified. Or, as we mentioned earlier, you got sin in your life. Listen, I'm just going to be bold. If you have sin in your life that you have made a comfortable place for, you've trained yourself to say God's okay with it, You've been deceived and you are deceiving yourself. And the reason if you are that person and your prayers aren't getting answered, that is why it's not a mystery. God can't endorse your hypocrisy. He cannot say yes. to you. It doesn't mean he hates you. It doesn't mean you're not saved. It just means that he's saying, oh, no, I'm not going to be able to bless you in what you're asking because you're not obeying me and what I am saying. So guys, that's the thought today. So let's each of us examine our hearts, examine what's coming out of our mouths, examine our prayer lives. Let's do some repenting if we need to. And let's remember that when we confess and forsake a sin, we are blessed and the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us. And so it's not a matter of you being like guilt ridden and, you know, shamed and condemned. It's a matter of us exposing the reasons why sometimes our prayers aren't getting answered. And when those reasons are exposed, what do we do? When we have the reason, we have the remedy. We turn around and we say, God, I'm, I'm sorry. I've tolerated this stuff in my life or I've spoken ill. And now, Lord, I realize my prayers have been offensive to you because I've expected you to bless me when I'm compromised. And so just repent. I mean, that's pretty much the key to a breakthrough Christian life is constant repenting and trusting. So my time's gone. Go ahead and go to transformingtruth.org. There's a bunch of new videos that are out there, new sermon materials, all of our um, social media links are there. If you want to get a copy of my book, Figuring It Out As I Go, there's a link there for that too. So we would love to have you pick up a copy of that. And listen, time's gone. You hear that? That's my phone going off. Perfect timing. We'll talk to you next time. God bless. To connect with Jeff, visit maverickmisfit.com where you'll find all his social media links, video resources, his book, Figuring It Out As I Go, and his weekly Transforming Truth blog.